0: listening to the fret files the guitar workshop podcast with eric daw
1: to participate in the show visit my website ericdaw.com that's dot com. click the contact link and send in your question or comment there i'll use it as part of the show the other way to do it is to call 757-774 You can call or text that number 757-774-8482. Yes indeed. If you're listening to this, congratulations. It means you made it through the transition. Oh yeah. We are uh we're on our own website now, fretfiles.com. No longer are we on the UFOShip.com podcast website. It was a wonderful uh place to be while we were there. I think it's been four years. But now we are independent and we're on our own website, and hopefully you are listening to this episode if you've been a podcast listener. Uh, I don't know how this transition is going to go, so we'll see. If if you have trouble listening, then I don't know what to tell you, because you're obviously not hearing this. But fretfiles.com, that's going to be where to find us, and we're transitioning to a weekly instead of a monthly podcast, which means there's going to be all kinds of cool new features and content. I'm going to do a lot more interviews. I'm going to do some different features like, you know, famous guitars of history and what they've been through and where they are now. That's going to be fun. For example, uh, John Lennon's original Rickenbacker 325. You know, that's that guitar has a really interesting story. It's actually a very unique guitar without it being John Lennon's guitar. Uh it was a it was a kind of a one-off, a factory one-off. So, Yeah, that's going to be a fun feature that I want to do. Uh, Like I said, we're going to do more interviews, and today this podcast is the first of those. So it's going to be a weekly podcast. I'm thinking it's going to be released every Thursday. We'll see how it goes. You know, bear with me as we adjust to this new uh, format and the new website, but I think we're going to do it every Thursday or so. There's going to be obviously holiday weeks where we take off And don't do a podcast, but, you know, for the most part, expect about a weekly podcast. So I'm excited about it. I hope you are, too. Um, However, we're still going to do a lot of question and answer. So I still, I need you to submit questions and comments for the show. Uh, You heard about how to do that um, at the top of the show, but I'll say it again. Go to ericdaw.com, E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com, click the contact link, Submit your question there, or call or text 757-774-8482. We're going to do at least one question and answer show a month, maybe two. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yet, but uh, we'll figure it out. We're also going to do, you know, more guitar news, things like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. Well, this episode... Is uh, an interview episode, and I've got a great interview for you. We are interviewing Chelsea Clark of Guitars and Caffeine. GuitarsandCaffeine.com dot com is her website. She's got an independent repair shop. She's been she she's been in this industry a long time, and she's worked all across the country at all different shops. Chelsea Clark. She's worked with Dan Arlewine. She's worked at the uh, Gibson's. Uh, restoration shop in Nashville, Tennessee. She has worked all across the country. Westwood Music in Los Angeles. Now she's got her own independent shop right there in Los Angeles. Guitars and Caffeine. It's a private shop. It's by appointment only. But she's very knowledgeable, and uh, she's got a lot of great information. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show Chelsea Clark. Chelsea, how are you?
2: I'm good.
1: <laughs> I'm glad to finally talk to you.
2: You too. How yeah. are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Things yeah. are, things are good. We're we're taking this podcast to a weekly podcast, which means I'm going to be doing more interviews like this, and I'm I'm actually really excited about that. You know, to get to talk to some of the fellow luthiers and uh, repair people out there.
2: Excellent.
1: How do you? What fe-
2: uh-huh.
1: How do you feel about that word? About the word luthier? <laughs>
2: About luthier, it, it's so funny. Um, when I was at the GAL, we were talking about that. Um,
1: it's kind of an antiquated word, isn't it? I mean, I don't... It,
2: it is. I I feel like there's too much pr- prestige there for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, right. You know,
2: yeah, because I, I mean, I'm I'm a problem solver, right? Like yeah. I, I repair things. I don't, I I don't know. I I just think a luthier is like this. This craftsman who just focuses on on building beautiful stringed instruments, and I am not a builder.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm, you know, I I put together instruments, but it's not like I'm cutting down trees and and yeah. uh, making them from scratch like some, you know, old world craftsman, you know, and right. and the the word implies the instrument, the lute. I don't, right. I don't work on lutes.
2: Right. I've never even
1: seen a lute.
2: <laughs> It's so true. I think that um, I don't know. Must must have been a couple years ago. I was watching something, some gear uh, report on, you know, it was a YouTube channel. I think of Premier Guitar, and they had this um, young gal interviewing, you know, a band member of, of some sort about their pedal, and she asked about his luthier. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's I've kind of that. like.
1: Yeah, that's,
2: you know they're not part of the American biz when they say
1: luthier. That's the, that's the French uh, pronunciation. Yeah. I knew yes. I knew a, a gal once who um, who thought Gibson's famous guitar was was Les Paul. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, no, that was a dude. His name was Les. His name was, <laughs> name was Lester. He was a guitar player.
0: Oh
2: man, I like that Le Paul.
1: Yeah, Le Paul. <laughs> anyway, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Uh, I want to know your backstory. What, what, okay. what How did you get into this crazy career?
2: Um, I lucked into it. I'm a a yes kind of person, and um, I I did. I lucked into it. I when I was 18, or even throughout high school in the summer times, I would. Fix up houses um, around my hometown, and Which I would is, do any. What is your hometown? Athens, Ohio.
1: Oh, okay, sure. Well, yeah, that that so makes home sense.
2: With yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i um, I would do yard work, and I would paint houses, and hang cabinets, and hang doors, and uh, do all kinds of fun stuff. And my mom knew Joan Dan's. Wife,
0: yeah. Dan or Lawrence yeah, wife and sure.
2: they needed help around their house. And one project in particular was for me to transform, um, their old coal shaft and coal room in the basement into a spray booth. Wow. Yeah. And I thought it was fascinating. I, you know, I dry locks all the walls and the floor and, um, and installed a fan into the coal shaft. Um, and oh, like
1: for an exhaust vent?
2: Yeah, yeah. Wow. And um, hung cabinets and a few shelves. And and then afterwards, uh, funny enough, I, I did purchase a $90 Fender about a year before that I never learned how to play because uh, somebody had borrowed it from me and broke the headstock off. <laughs> and so while I was... Uh, going in and out that the whole job I think took me about a week or two and I would go in and out of Dan's shop um, to get to the workroom I needed to do.
1: Does, does he work out of his home?
2: Uh, he did at the time. Yeah. yeah. Now he has a, another shop, but, uh, but still private, you know? Yeah. And so I did, I had to walk through the shop in order to get to where I was, the, the room I was working in. And so I, I kind of noticed there was, you know, a few guitars here and there and just an amazing, uh, workshop. I grew up around uh, woodworking shops. Um, so I was always kind of impressed by that. And I asked him, uh, when I was done with the job, I said, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what you do, but it looks like you have a lot of guitars and I've got this broken one. Do you think that I could trade, trade you some hours and you could fix it?
1: So you didn't even really know who he was. I
0: didn't know. Because he's, yeah,
1: (laughs) that's, that's, wow, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you, well, and why would you? Because really, it's only really specialized, you know, I mean, to us, he's royalty, right? right? Yeah. But um, unless you're in the field, you wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize his name.
2: Right. Well, and at that point, I had just gotten into playing guitar. Yeah. Well, and even...
1: even your yeah. average, even your average player probably wouldn't know who, who he is, but you know, yeah. people that are really into, uh, repair and, you know, S- Stuart McDonald, well, anybody,
2: used, yeah, anybody, Stumack.
1: anybody familiar with Stu knows who he is.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So I just, um, so he kind of, he kind of brushed me off and said, no, 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 I, uh, I don't have time to repair that, you know, but, um, let me take a look over the weekend and uh, come back on Monday, and and we'll give you a check for the work you've done. And and while you're at it, this weekend, you know, take a look at these books. I've marked some pages for you, and here's a few videos. So I don't think anything of it. Yeah, Eric, I'll tell you, the most embarrassed I've ever been was when I, I. Opened the book and realized that he had wrote, written it. Oh wow! <laughs> in the DVDs, and there he is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just felt like a heel.
1: That's <laughs> I had, awesome. You no,
2: know, s- such a knowledgeable person. You know, off the cuff, just to to do something. But the best part is, is I went in on Monday. Uh, you know, and and he had a bench set up for me.
0: Wow. And
2: guitar was on it, and he said. Uh, he asked me if I had read the books and everything, and I said, "Yeah." And uh, he said, "Well, I'm gonna be over here. I got some work to do, but ask me if you have any questions and and repair your headstock."
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah,
2: so I did. I asked him questions, and he helped me along, and we painted a blue stinger on it, and it was good. It was a. It was, I you know that's it, he made it so fun. I bet. That um I couldn't not try and do this for the rest of my life.
1: Wow. I had no idea. What a cool story. I'm glad I asked because that's, that's really cool. Wow. Um, he's probably, you know, I've never met Dan, never even talked to him, but he's probably the guy that I've learned more from than anyone else just because of his books and, and videos, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I, I think, um, with him being so easygoing about publishing and so determined about educating people, it has connected the luthier world. Yeah, I, I think for the longest time, uh, maybe when he started, he got a little guff for uh, from the older generations of, of uh, showing trade secrets and all this, and and de- demystifying yeah. uh, repair and. Um, but I think in the long run, uh, it's helped our industry grow tremendously to, to the point of even in the past 15 years that I've been doing this, I've seen a huge transformation in in the development of our industry. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have conferences now. We have, you know, I, Face- tools. Facebook we have, groups. We have Facebook <laughs> groups. You know, we... It's people aren't uh, totally surprised when I say I repair guitars for a living. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be a feasible. Yeah. A feasible thing. So yeah, it's very cool.
1: Yeah, and I f- I feel like the internet has done a lot to to enable that, um, yes. where people are sharing information and all the YouTube videos and and uh, it's really been amazing because I started um, just kind of just before the internet really got. In everybody's home, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it was in in the mid or late '90s that I started, and uh, it, it it just you know YouTube wasn't a thing or anything like that, and uh, a lot of the older, just like you kind of alluded to, a lot of the older generation of of uh, guitar repair gurus treated their craft almost like a magician would like that it was this guarded secret yeah. like this this black art handed down <laughs> handed down through a family line that you know you, you, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't dare ask them about how they do it you know so it's right. it's really amazing actually that it, it the information is out there now where it just wasn't before and the forms that it was out there i've got a lot of i kind of collect old guitar repair manuals and books and I've got some from the seventies that are No way. That are crazy. They're crazy because the like how? Well because what do the, they say they say to do bad, bad things. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got one It's all through the net. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I've got um, the California neck reset right.
2: I've been told it's
1: <laughs> I've got uh, um, a book where this guy uh, I think he's long dead now. His name is was Don Teeter, mm-hmm. and he oh, no. was he was you know the man. He was the Dan Erlewine in in the sixties and seventies. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: But he does this neck reset on this guitar, and it's like a thirties shade top Martin something. <laughs> it's like, from what I understand, it's the only one in the world. And there's pictures of him sawing the neck off and doing all, and then like. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, it's really, but you know eighty percent of the information is really helpful, yeah, but and, then there's twenty percent of it that's like, okay, we don't do it that way anymore,
2: <laughs> right i if I'm not mistaken, he is Don Teeter actually came up in a conversation today I was having with one of my clients uh and he might have been also the person that uh that kind of said, well, why can't we steam off the neck?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe he so, was, yeah.
2: Yeah, but he did. He saw through uh, all those fingerboards. <laughs> right,
1: right. He would saw right through the fingerboard in order to get to the joint. Boy, <laughs> right. that's, that's so, oh, that hurts my heart. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we you know, had to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And those guys were the pioneers. Those guys were the Absolutely. pioneers. And and I don't mean to disrespect a guy like Don Teeter, because yeah. he was a pioneer. And without him, we wouldn't be where we are today. And, you know, it's it's uh, out of respect that I'm laughing at some of the things <laughs> in his book. I'm sure that that uh, that he would understand that. But any, anyway, where are you now? You're in Los Angeles?
2: I am. I'm in Los Angeles, California.
1: How did you get out Um, there? I,
2: you know, I actually, I never, I don't know if I actually thought that I would uh, live out here. Mm -hmm. I always threatened I would move out here, but I never actually thought it would happen. Um, About five years ago, uh, I just uh, resigned from Gibson. Uh, I was working at their restoration shop
0: uh, oh, to yeah. go to
2: back to school for industrial design. And, um, that only took about six months cause a lot of my undergrad credits could transfer. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going up to Northwoods, which is a kind of a, a luthier conference or, you know, heavy repair, uh, repair tech conference uh-huh. up in Michigan. And somebody approached me and And um, it was Isaac Jank, approached me and said that his store that he was working with uh, was Westwood Music. And they were looking uh, for somebody with kind of an overall set of skills from finish work to neck resets to fretting and Mm -hmm. just somebody to kind of tie the shop together. Um, And I love adventure and my better half is a musician. So we said, why the hell not?
1: Yeah. 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 Cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and your shop now it's you have an independent shop, am I right? Called Guitars called Guitars and Caffeine.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's how did did,
1: that's such an original name for a shop. (laughs) I mean, I'm assuming it's, you know, pretty self explanatory (laughs) why you chose it, right? You're a coffee (laughs) hound, right? Yeah but you don't actually sell coffee there, right?
2: You know, I sell uh, coffee mugs. Cool. There you go. <laughs> They're kind of fun. It's yeah. So my shop's a private shop. Um, mm-hmm. Just so I don't, uh, I don't have a storefront. It's uh, so I keep distractions kind of, uh, you know, as as low as possible. Yeah. But the name, I actually came up with the name for my my website came first, and it was about seven years ago. When I was working for Gibson,
1: and that's guitar, um, guitarsandcaffeine.com? dot com. Guitars right?
2: and ca- yeah, guitarsandcaffeine.com. Um, we would it was kind of the first time that I'd have to wake up super early and get my brain started, <laughs> and so we'd have you know our day started at six a.m. and you'd have to be doing top quality repairs at six a.m.
0: Yeah, and I was yeah. not
2: used to that, so I would I would say. Probably about half a pot of coffee. <laughs> I would ingest a half a pot of coffee before uh, before the day was over. So, yeah, caffeine.
1: <laughs> I like it.
2: Yeah, good, and good. I, I, a lot of people. It seems to res- resonate with a lot of people. So I'm, you
1: know. Well, I'm right there with you. I've got to have uh, my coffee before I head out to my shop, and I I do it the same way now. I've got a private workshop now, um, where it's. I mean, it's certainly open for customers to come. Mm-hmm. But it's not a storefront, you know, and it's a change for me because I've been working in a retail store for fifteen years and and only right. only about three or four months ago, I moved to Idaho back to my hometown and I've got a just a private you know shop in my backyard here. but it's a nice yeah. it's a giant shop. It's really nice. It's been so it the change has been so peaceful and amazing to go from what's basically working in a working in a high end retail shop in the repair department is kind of like being an ER doctor <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: it's just non-stop yeah. it's non-stop and totally. you never get a, a break and I mean it was really a high stress job yeah and then you know and I had to I had a, a commute you know it was about 45 minutes each way and you know it was just a high stress situation that I've been doing for the last 15 years and now, it's so peaceful that it's. I feel like something's wrong. It's so weird, <laughs> and now my my commute yeah. is that I my commute is that I take my coffee and I walk out the back door and I walk through my orchard and into my shop.
2: Oh, give me a break!
0: That's I know. heaven, isn't it? <laughs>
1: that's awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm, that's I, it absolutely. Is, it is heaven. Beautiful. I've been in heaven. Yeah, you kind of bill yourself as doing. The repairs nobody else wants to do. Yeah. Tell me about that.
2: I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm one of those people that, um, I, I don't necessarily take on more than I can chew. Like, yeah. I'll never lie to somebody and say I can't, I can do it when I can't.
1: That's a good quality to have. It's a, that's yeah. a good, that's a good thing to, to say, you know, but, but your skills are, I mean, but, you, but you've, you've got mad skills, so yeah. you can, you can do a lot of the stuff nobody else wants to do.
2: Yeah. I tend to see potential. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I lead my business. I, you know, I, over and over again, I'll, I'll get emails about, I don't know, maybe uh, somebody's having an issue with customer service or uh, how to approach a repair, or things like this, and I always go back to kind of my number one role, and how I present my own business is there's too much emotional attachment for me to ever assess the worth of somebody else's instrument, right? Yeah. And when I approach a repair like that, um, it doesn't look so scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it
2: does, and and it it puts a little bit more meaning into it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so that, I do, the-
2: I get these really weird repairs that other shops have totally negated the customer. Right. Yeah. I mean, people will take, you know, just kind of, I, I don't want to say, I mean, I have a lot of vintage stuff that yeah. I work on, but, uh, for example, I have this amazingly patient customer <laughs> who brought me literally, a. Uh, a box of parts and a Ziploc bag of Uh splinters.
1: Oh, man. um,
2: and I hope he doesn't mind that I'm telling this story, but, uh, years ago, like 20 years ago, um, he was in a wreck in a car wreck and the guitar was smashed up to pieces in this rack. Wow. And, um, he had sent it off to two shops, prior to getting it to me and the last shot before it got to me uh, actually had lost some of the pieces Um, so it came to me with only half of the top and then that bag full of splinters, the fingerboard had had been taken off and sawed through, Um, the back had been taken off, the top had been taken off, the bridge was taken off, the top was warped the bracing, there was no I think maybe it came with three braces. Um, and, you know, those kind of repairs, probably he could have bought a new guitar for, I don't know, $700, right? Yeah. But those type of repairs that all the other shops seem to say it's not worth it, yeah. you know, to these people, it's worth it.
1: Sometimes it is, Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and so I'm just the type of person that I say, yeah, I, you know, I I can do all the jobs related to that. So sure. Yeah. And it works out, you know. So, yeah, I've, <laughs> I attract the weird ones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an interesting, you know, and I was thinking about it today because saying that, you know, repairs nobody else wants to do. That could mean that could mean actually several things. And I wasn't sure which way you were implying really but maybe all all of the ways but sometimes um a guitar is so valuable that nobody wants to touch it
2: oh yeah i've been there
1: and sometimes a guitar you know regardless of what it is and the value sometimes it's just so far gone that nobody wants to touch it
2: right because you don't know the outcome
1: yeah it it can be yeah. it can be a it could be a real uh uh you know, a bad situation once you get into it, and once you start absolutely. a project, you kind of own it. Now, now you're kind of obligated to s- at least see it through to a, <laughs> a to some kind of an outcome. You know,
2: you have to be responsible. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah,
2: there's. Oh,
1: pardon me. Oh, I resonate with what you said about not getting in over your head. You know, I've, I'll I'll have people that want me to sometimes want me to do things that I, you know, I'm sorry, that's not my specialty. You know, it's not that I don't want to help you, but you know, like for example, banjos, I don't know anything about banjos. I just don't, I've never spent the time, you know, to figure them out or to, you know, I mean, I, I could certainly do a setup on one or something, but if, but if somebody needs like the neck reset or, you know, a new, You you know, you see these vintage banjos that sometimes they're really beautiful and valuable things. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: I don't know. I'd just rather send – I'm sure I could figure it out, but I'd rather send the customer to a banjo specialist, you know?
2: Funny enough, Eric, I play banjo and I don't set them up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're not a guitar, are they? They're totally a different animal. They are. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Um, you touched a little bit on, uh, something that I saw on Facebook that you and I were both commenting on. We were talking about some thread on a luthiers group on Facebook. We were talking about like morality issues of guitar repair and it was just really interesting to me because it comes up, you know, It does sometimes, you know, you, you, you talk about the value of someone's guitar and it is sometimes it's a sensitive uh, area, but occasionally you'll get somebody who's upset that you, you want to charge them twice what they paid for the guitar. Right. You know, and it, and that's, they, they, they don't understand. Sometimes a customer doesn't understand. Well, you know, just because you paid X amount of dollars for it, it doesn't, it doesn't have any bearing on, you know, the, the time that I have to spend to fix it. If, if it were a, a $10,000 Martin or or a $50, you know, Squire, it's, it's still going to take me X right. amount of hours.
2: Absolutely. But,
1: um,
2: with those conversations, I lead... Oh, sorry.
1: Uh-huh. Go, go right ahead.
2: Oh. Um, with those conversations, I tend to lead with, I guess, more of a... I don't want to say a scientific approach, right? Because um, then you kind of blow people's minds. I used to kind of (laughs) overshare when I I was first starting out, you know, and now I kind of know when to, when to not. But, um, and I I always joke that if I were to build a guitar, it would be, (laughs) and I were to, you know, build it using the same way I built for repairs, it would be the the most expensive guitar in the world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Sure.
2: So I guess I, I always talk to customers kind of flat out. This is how much it's going to be because yeah. I charge the same amount for like you said a, a ten thousand dollar Martin as I do a ninety dollar Squire. Right. Um. And and I tell them why. So I'll break down every job I have to do if they want that. I don't I don't charge for um, repair assessments. Because I want my customers to f- feel comfortable coming in and asking any questions.
1: Yeah, I do the um, same thing.
2: Yeah, I, I just feel that that initial trust, um, you know, basing it more on, on their experience than on, on my bills is, is worth gold when it comes to building trust.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I, I give them options. Right. And a lot of times, especially now, I have a lot of young repairers coming in. Yeah. um, Who are players, but they also kind of tweak their own stuff and they can't necessarily afford to get a professional repair job done, uh, which is probably how I would say 70% of our industry has developed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so if they can't afford a repair or I see them getting a little sheepish about the price, you know, I, I I, kind of suggest how they can do it themselves.
1: Yeah. Or sometimes you, know? you can give them options, you know? Like, yeah. really the right thing to, to do with your guitar would be this, but right. here's a more affordable solution that's kind of a band-aid that I could do for you, or here's how you could do it yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I do uh, artistic restorations, too. So instead of, like, trying to, especially with, with finished touch up. So in, instead of trying to blend in a huge crack or something like that, um, it's, it's more time efficient for me to blend it in with a finished design or a burst or something like this. And, yeah. and that'll cost, cost less than me to, you know, hand touch it up for two hours.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more with chelsea clark
2: hey everyone it's melissa as many of you may know i make tooled leather guitar straps each strap is cut carved stamped dyed and finished by hand my straps are made to last a lifetime visit MelcoLeather.com to check out my designs or contact me with your custom order contact me through my etsy site or melko at gmail.com Podcast listeners will receive 15% off their order on Etsy when they use code FRETFILES at checkout. melcoleather.com m-e-l-c-o-leather.com
0: Hey, this is Darren Jones from
2: Jones & Fisher. Hello, this is Scott Marshall Watson calling. Just wanted to let
1: everyone know how much I love my pinup guitar. Eric Dawes,
0: Pinup Custom Guitars. Can't say enough good things about them.
1: pinupcustomguitars.com
0: it's the closest thing that I've personally found to being anything like a, a real vintage 50s Telecaster style guitar. My name is Jay Boone. I am an owner of two Pinup guitars. Eric makes guitars that remind me of the, the real vintage style guitars, and that's what appeals
1: to me. PinupCustomGuitars.com it makes me personally a better player. A very vintage sounding instrument, very light and resonant. And I use it all the
0: time, I play with it regularly. Uh, I love the feel of the neck, it's a fat fifty style neck. This
1: is Joshua Joel here. This guitar makes all other guitars that I've owned personally feel like toys in comparison. I love the guitar, it's my uh, my main rig when
2: I'm
0: out on the road. I I ended up buying two of them and I, I use them both on a regular basis.
1: I'll tell you what, if I have the money, I'd own ten of them.
0: Thank you, Eric. I appreciate the
2: eagle eye for quality and, and uh, attention to detail. I'm a big fan.
1: Way to go, Eric. Great job, Eric. I really appreciate it. Check, Check one out for yourself. PinupCustomGuitars.com. That's PinupCustomGuitars.com. It's an interesting, it's such a crazy business that we're in, isn't it? You it's. know, one of the reasons why I think that it's intrinsically that we can even have this conversation about um when these kind of uh, conundrums come up is that people are so emotionally attached to their guitars.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: what else, you know, say, you know, uh, if you're in the industry of computer repair or, or automotive repair or like a craftsman, like, you know, that repairs shoes, or do, do people even do that anymore? <laughs> uh, I
2: would hope so. I, I, I know, hate the I, idea yeah. of us keeping throwing things away.
1: Yeah. No, I know they do because I take my cowboy boots to people to have them resold. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but um, people aren't emotionally attached to those things like they are with a guitar, and so yeah. it becomes this like, you know, they're 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 leaving their child with you almost, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And they really need to feel that trust. Yeah. Um talk to me about uh your favorite guitars and your favorite brands.
2: Oh man. Okay. Um you know, I will say there is nothing like um a simple LG-0.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Like all mahogany body. I I love the simple stuff. Um my favorite guitar is from 1964. And uh, when I got it, it had a big hole in the back of it, and it's all mahogany, and it came with a a plastic screw-on bridge.
0: Oh yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> and, yeah, and I had to reset the neck, and and I paid two hundred dollars on it, and the repair bill would have been around eight hundred.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, but sure. um, yeah, I I I I do have in my heart uh, a deep appreciation for vintage Gibson.
1: Yeah, I do too. Um, I like I like the Fin especially Gibson acoustics.
2: Yeah. And the bursts, I you know, I love Gibson bursts like they're no other. Yeah. Um I always get disappointed when I see that kind of hard edge on any burst. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I want
2: to see a nice fade, you know. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: What's your favorite electric guitars?
2: Um The, my favorite one that i've ever owned would be uh again it was a gibson it was a, a firebird seven so three mini humbuckers oh yeah so that that was fun to play because it was really bouncy and i'm not a very um i i, I don't gig out i'm not a i would not consider myself a guitar player by mm-hmm. any means right um so i just like to have fun usually. My guitars are strung up pretty light because I don't want to build up calluses. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to have a really nice uh, feel for the repairs when I do them, for the textures of things. Um, So, yeah, so that was really fun because it was a nice bouncy length of string. Uh, But, you know, I love a good telly.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: Yeah, I mean... I, I know that strats are like kind of the classic but tellies are to me tellies are like I don't know they're like just walking into a vintage uh car show. Yeah. You know? I, I and I think that's how it was planned back in the day but
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Well, I don't know if it well I don't really don't know. It's hard to ima- I try to think about that sometimes like there there was a point where Leo Fender took the first Tellies, they weren't called tellies, I guess they were called uh, broadcasters. Broadcasters,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Took them to, you know, around and maybe took, you know, took them to the first Nam show. And the the story is, and I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it's true, but the story is that they almost laughed him out of Nam. Like, look at this guy trying to this guy trying to sell canoe paddles over here. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what I that's what I've read that's and awesome. I I know that's what I've read, yeah. but he was such a forward thinker because he was he looked at guitars and said, "Okay, there's got to be a more modular system that, yeah. that can be done here because guitars before Leo Fender, you know, you couldn't just replace the neck on a guitar and not very easily right. anyway. But with a right. Fender, you totally can. It's four screws." Right. He was such Done. a yeah. He was such a forward thinker, but I, I think it really shocked the music world when he <laughs> when he unveiled those.
2: they are like we are luthiers, sir. How yeah. dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. What is yeah. this? Yeah.
2: <laughs> there are bolts.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Tell me about uh. You, you know, you're so good at you're so good at communicating with your customers and with your uh, uh, email list. I I I love getting your 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 email newsletters and, oh, yeah, uh, great. <laughs> uh, the last one was about Hurricane Harvey and the, uh, the work that you're doing yeah. with, is it America for music? Is that what, tell, tell me about yeah. that.
0: Yeah.
2: So America for music is a project that, um, I kind of started, I mean, like a week and a half ago Oh
0: wow.
2: and yeah, I mean, it was very much a, something needs to happen type of feeling. And I want to do something to help. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a repair tech. I, I'm not sitting on thousands of dollars. So I gotta, you know, what can I do? Um, and I'll tell you two things that, that made me start this project was, um, one, when I was down in Nashville working for Gibson, Joe Glazier's shop was still working on, it was about, I think two years after the Nashville flood Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and Glazier shop was still working on, um, the guitars from that flood,
1: the the flood, the flood damaged guitars.
2: Yeah. And to see the list of the collections and the amount of kind of one of a kind, amazing vintage instruments that were underwater that, That were lost, but then also were saved because you know his shop is just there; it's full of badasses. So they were able to save so many.
0: Yeah,
2: Uh, it it just amazed me, and so I learned more and more about um, how to kind of, I guess, restore, but also you know about flood damage and and smoke damage and how people kind of uh, have saved furniture you know, Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. how that could apply to guitars. And so from for the past five years, uh, probably about twice a year, um, I get bizarre repairs in from tornadoes or uh, floods, you know, um, hurricanes. I got one in from Baton Rouge where it was a, a Les Paul Jr., cherry red. All the finish was just... White and molded and peeling off.
1: Yeah, I've seen that.
2: Yeah, and and I, I mean, I, I took it on because I was able to fix it, but when I was doing that job, and that was a fairly recent turnaround, I remembered what it felt like um, a couple years back. We had an apartment fire, and I lost all my tools. Oh, wow. And it was a, it was kind of this freak thing that, uh, there was an arc in the wall and it just, you know, nobody was hurt, but we, you know, but, um, it was, it was so that whatever chemicals were in the air, in the wall had just rusted all my tools instantly. Wow. Um, and just having to go through that for a month, uh, trying to find a place in LA and uh, dealing with insurance companies and also saving uh, uh, my better half's instruments because he has, you know, like 20-inch, you know, guitars and mandolins and basses. And
1: and they, they were all fire damaged, too?
2: It was. And they were all fire damaged, too. It was a lot of smoke, a lot of rust on the hardware. Yeah. Um, and nasty chemical smells. And if it wasn't for me being able to save those, he would have lost them yeah. because there was nobody able to help there. were I mean, and so I just, you know, and I wish I kind of would have acted sooner, but with everything happening in Florida now, I think that it was the appropriate time. Yeah. I just want to try and help the best I can. And, um, so this project America for music, um, what I'm trying to do with it is I'm trying to help musicians with instruments affected uh, by flooding uh, caused by the hurricanes. Now it's, it's Irma, right, is now involved. Yeah. Uh, is to help them have a place to go, mm-hmm. right, a person to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm collaborating with a handful of shops in Texas um, that have sent me a list of jobs that their shops can take on. So, you know, they have the tools for it. They have the skills for it. Um, and so musicians have called me and I've been able to, you know, assess through the pictures kind of how much, and this is nothing that I do on a regular basis. Um, but, but all the insurance companies want to know right now how much it's going to be. Right. Yeah, Sure. And so people are sending me photos and I'm trying to kind of give a balloon estimate based on the photos, um, a balloon estimate enough to where if, if they want to send it to my shop, you know, that'll be the estimate. If they yeah. want to take it to one of the Texas shops, that's appropriately skilled for the repairs they need. um, Then there's some cushion for that shop to not, you know, lose out on. I would hate to kind of price something for, you know, and somebody else lose, lose money, time. So that's, that's been really kind of helpful uh, for the musicians. It seems that um, they like the options of, of taking it to local tech, or I also have, a handful of other shops around the US that are willing to open their doors because the amount of damage that's going to happen or already has happened, not one shop can take all that on. No, it's just not possible. Yeah. And, um, and I, you know, there's a lot that can be saved when it comes to instruments. Um, and I'd hate to see it all just kind of tossed out because. Because musicians don't know they
1: have options, yeah. I guess. Well, and especially where it, when it comes to vintage and, and valuable guitars, yeah, you know, they they just don't make those anymore. So we need to save and curate the ones that we have. And yeah. these these floods and tornadoes and fires come along and, and eat up our you know our uh, cherished instruments. And sometimes it's maybe maybe it's not even a valuable guitar. It's just a family heirloom. Right. Those guitars are totally worth saving yeah and uh, it's really cool that you're stepping up to try to be um, involved in this to, to help people get uh, resolution for their for their damaged instruments. That's great. Thanks yeah, yeah hats, I, hats off to you.
2: Thank you. yeah I hope it kind of picks up a little bit more steam I <laughs> It's interesting trying to talk to these big corporations yeah about you know because they're more likely to, to throw money at something. Mm-hmm. And I keep on saying, no, it's it, it's not about that. It's about connecting people and and actually kind of making this luthier community come together. Yeah. And and open their doors and 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 not just kind of sit back and and wait for customers to call, but to say, hey, we're here. We can help. You know. Yeah. So,
1: well, I'm yeah. so I'm so far away from the affected areas. I don't know if I'm. If I would be any help, but, you know, count me in if uh,
2: absolutely if you need, yeah, no,
1: if you need people another are willing shop. To ship stuff. Yeah. yeah,
2: people are willing yeah. to ship. stuff. I have shops from New York State that have opened their doors. I have um, shops from, let's see, Indiana, Ohio, mm-hmm. um, Pennsylvania. I mean, and I think it's important that people have choices because at this point in the devastation, they really feel like they don't have any control. Yeah. And um and there's also, you know, limits that some shops have. Some shops can't do refinishing. Sure. Uh, doesn't make them a bad shop. It just, you know, they're not set up for it or they don't have the experience. So maybe somebody in Pennsylvania is the right fit. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, make it easy. But,
0: yeah.
1: Well, I'm hopefully um helping you get the word out for that. You know, if, if there's yeah. any listeners out there that know of people, you know, because there's Guitar players and guitar techs and guitar repair people, luthiers, listen to this show. If you know anyone or if you personally have a an instrument that's been damaged uh, f- from Hurricane Harvey or from uh, anything like that, uh, this is what Chelsea's trying to do. So yeah. gu- guitarsandcaffeine.com or is there a separate website for this project?
2: It's it's on uh, on my homepage. So guitarsandcaffeine.com. You're gonna see a purple button at the top. Uh, this is learn more about America for music. And um, if you are an affected musician, there is a place for you to uh, sign up there. If you are uh, a business that would like to donate materials like hardware or cases or strings or wood glue or anything that uh, might lessen uh, that cost of repair, Um that's welcome. There's a place for people to submit their information and what they can provide, pick guard material, finish, uh, solvents, you know? Yeah.
0: That's and great. then
2: if you're a tech, um, it's willing, uh, there's a place to sign up and fill out information of, of what you think you, you know, you can do. And also, you know, if you're in the area that is affected and you're a tech, um, maybe your shop isn't open right now, but, it would help to get connected so that the people who are affected have somebody to um, help assess their instruments.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, or maybe uh, if you want to get placed in a shop, maybe there's another local shop that I can help uh, find you kind of temporary work. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah.
1: Well, that's great. <laughs> thanks,
2: thanks, Eric, for asking about that. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do. I think it's great one of the this is the last question I'll I'll ask you then I'll let you get to your night here but um yeah. I'm curious I like to ask people because it's a question that I get a lot okay. and I'm never quite sure what to say and what I say has morphed over time but I get a lot of beginning luthiers and beginning guitar repair people Asking me advice, like how do I, <laughs> how do I get into this business? How do I learn these skills? How do how do I break into this industry? How do I get a, how do I get a job in a shop like what you're doing? What advice do you give to people like that?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I think education and experience are the number one kind of go tos that I have, and um, and that's not necessarily just with guitars. I think that it's extremely important if you want to get into this business or you want to start building guitars to have a passion for woodworking. Um, you got to know how to read wood. You got to know the chemicals behind uh, adhesives and finishes. And you know, you there's a lot of people that you know ask me how they get started in it. And really, it's kind of like, well, kind of break it down to Every aspect of it, and and go from there. Books are always good. I, you know, pick up a book. YouTube channels. Yeah. I think YouTube's cool, but there's a lot of people out there saying this is the only way to do something. And
0: yeah, in guitar not repair, true. that's
2: such a yeah. <laughs> there's so many ways to repair a guitar. I mean, there's yeah. definitely a handful of bad ways, but yeah, but you know, it's um. So I guess, you know, I tell people to be patient um, if they want, I guess, a more I, – I would say, how about this? If, if I'm going to hire somebody, I would want them to be extremely familiar with working with tools. Yeah. Paint tools, files. I don't care if they just came off a construction site and have never touched a guitar. You know, I, I, I'll teach them that, uh, Yeah, you'd rather,
1: yeah, you'd rather have them have a tool,
2: a a knowledge
1: for tools than a knowledge for guitars. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and customer service. I want, I want somebody to, to care past themselves because I can't, that's something I can't teach. Right. (laughs) I can't teach somebody to care. Um, and then also your first year, um, nuts and saddles and setups there you go you know electric you got to know how the mechanics of a guitar work and the best way to do that is to just take electric guitar apart and put it back together and see everything about it like get familiar with the physics and the science behind it
1: yeah yeah man that is what that that was such a passion for me when i was starting out like I had, I just was driven to know how an electric guitar worked because it was, yeah. it was mystifying to me because there was no battery there. Or there was no, yeah. there was no electricity that I could understand. You know, I, it I, once I figured out that it was all about magnets and um, the string creating a disturbance in a magnetic field, it was just fascinating to me. And I, I needed to know more, you know?
2: Yeah. Now, do you, how, how, how much do you dive into electronics? Do you wind your own pickups? I do.
1: I make pickups. I, I repair pickups. I do. It's, it's a crazy, you know, everybody's kind of got their specialties. You know, there's things I don't do, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy the electric, uh, guitar, you know, nuances, making pickups and, and wiring guitars and stuff like that, uh. But I do, you know, I do all kinds of things. One of the things that I tell people who ask that advice when they're beginning, when they're just beginners, something that I did is I, I would buy really cheap or, or really broken guitars and just experiment on them, you know, guitars that nobody cared about or guitars I found in, in pawn shops or thrift stores that needed Fretwork that needed a nut, that needed a saddle, that that needed yeah. pick, pickups or whatever, and um, experimented on on cheap and inexpensive and broken guitars that I purchased, you know, so that you weren't botching other people's instruments.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's you know, it's funny. I go um, on eBay, uh, and I don't know if, if it's easy to find this on eBay anymore or not, but they used to sell lots of broken seconds right
0: oh yeah so i would
2: i would buy a box of five guitars for 20 bucks <laughs>
0: yeah. and
2: they would they would be like you know like the labels are hacked off you know the the headstocks are broken there's
0: right.
2: i mean they had to like break them fully in order to, <laughs> to sell them on ebay and mm-hmm. send them in one box and you're absolutely right that's that's how i that's how i i learned so much about finish. Because that's one thing that intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would just experiment. yeah. I mean, the stress of of and the the distraction you you gain from the stress of working on somebody else's instrument yeah <laughs> you know it it just isn't worth it so yeah, yeah, that's a great suggestion.
1: I had a guy once tell me to take a uh, take different colored coffee mugs and chip them, and then repair the finish the best I could. There you go. And that was an interesting uh, thing. I did it a little bit, you know, but it, it was yeah. like, it just seemed like a strange thing to do. But, um, <laughs> you know, trying to make a chip on a coffee mug invisible seems like such a, a waste of time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on a $2, on a $2 yeah. coffee mug. But, but the experience you get from something like that is kind of invaluable.
2: I, yeah. I mean, it's just experience. Everything is, the more experience you have, you know, the more you're trying to push yourself to do something better than what you already did. Yeah. I mean, that's the right path, I think, for for guitar building and repair, because it's, you're always going to be held accountable for your choices. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of lead with, you know, uh, if you lead with trying to be better than what you are, you know. I, I guess no. I don't want to say that because maybe people will think I'm saying you know to talk yourself up. But if you stay I understand. humble, I understand get going what you're saying. And, yeah. If you lead with this projection of I want to be somewhere else someday, I want to be better than I am someday. I think.
1: Sure. It's, yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of repairs I did 20 years ago that I wouldn't want to own up to now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Don't you hate that? Yeah. 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 Somet- I'm the same way. Every time one walks out, I think, oh, shit, I got to do that better next time.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> somehow,
2: uh, somehow I got to fill that, that chip a little better, match yeah. that black better.
1: <laughs> well, and it's cool to always be learning. And I'm sure yeah. that. I'm sure I'll feel that way when I'm 80. I'm sure Dan Erlewine feels that way still. You know, he, I'm sure he's always learning. He and and it's, it's, just, uh, it's just the nature of our business. Yep. Chelsea, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been an awesome conversation.
2: Eric, it was my honor. Thank you so much for asking me.
1: Yeah, totally. Great. Well, have a good night, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay, sounds great. And I'll contact you about um, America for Music.
1: Yeah, please do. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. And uh, I want to thank you so much for listening. Please do participate in the show. Go to ericdaw.com. Click the contact link. Submit your question or comment there. Call 757-774-8482. And you can call or text that number. Leave a voice message and uh, participate in the show that way. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.